0: It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. In episode 136, we discuss La Liga drops a bombshell by deciding to stay with B in sports for four more years. NBC goes overboard with a Christian Pulisic love fest. Kay Murray moonlights for a potential new broadcaster. We have the scoop on Steve Nash's future on BR football plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I am joined by my co-host, Karthik Kartik, Karthik, um, it has started. The Premier League is back. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. It, it's strange for me. It's surreal for me. A lot of listeners who listen to this podcast uh, pretty often know that um, during the season, I'm I'm traveling a lot, and it's traveling because of travel soccer, um, last season, I had uh, two girls in a travel soccer program. This season, it looks like it'll be one, but every weekend kind of just driving around Florida, going to different games and things. It made me think, Kartik about this because the season almost always kicks off at the same time of the Premier League and ends almost the same time as the Premier League. And it made me wonder, I'm th- thinking to myself, okay, well, well, why is Major League Soccer why is it aligned that way? And why is Major League Soccer aligned from, say, March until, I mean, it used to be September, but now it's you know, October creeping into November. And it made me think, Carter, correct me if I'm wrong, but originally it was because most of, in, in the early days of Major League Soccer, a lot of the owners were NFL owners. Yeah. And they were looking for ways to go ahead and you know, uh, have their team, have, have people paying tickets, uh, buying tickets for the offseason. And, and, and now I think we're at a point where a lot of MLS fans say, OK, yeah, we have to have a season that's March through September, October, and it's because of NFL.
1: Yeah, Chris, you know, I, I this is such a bugaboo for me because when I make my arguments about calendar change, which I think is one of the fundamental problems with the sport in this country that the professional leagues are running uh, February or March through uh november december on that calendar and running through the hottest months of the year at a time of, of great climate change by the way it's gotten hotter in most of the country during those months uh i'm always told well this is the way it has to be in this country we don't have to do things like europe uh, i don't we don't care when the italian league or the english league or the german league plays it has to be done this way in the u.s but then i point out that as someone who's worked in the sport at the lower division level youth soccer these are key component in terms of, of, of fan base, in terms of selling tickets to, to, to parents and to and to youth coaches and to and to kids, and they run on the same calendar as European football. Then um, I get all kinds of other myopic arguments. So uh, it, it, it's also to me a marketing issue because. Um, Maybe it's different at the MLS level because they sell so many more tickets than we did at the NASL or USL teams do or or, or what have you, uh, the the other lower division leagues. But youth soccer and youth soccer groups are an important are are a critical component in sales to sustain the professional game uh, at, at the levels below MLS. And I believe, honestly, probably at the MLS level with a lot of clubs also. So it makes no sense to me and it, it will just, we'll have another conversation about this. I'm sure soon uh, we need to move on to other things, but um, I youth soccer runs on the same calendar as European football in this country, yeah. which uh, everyone seems to forget who are MLS fans who don't really follow the sport from top to bottom.
0: So we ended last week's podcast by talking a little bit about the transfer deadline window, because um, there was the transfer deadline show was on at the same time that we were recording the podcast. Uh, it was live on NBCSN, which was also live on uh, Sky Sports. And uh, so there was the the synergy between the two there uh, that probably some of us saw. And, and we talked about a little bit uh, th- th- that we had seen that, that morning. And then we had the the, the first game of the, of the season on Friday, the Liverpool-Norwich game. And we got a chance to see kind of some of the differences that NBCSN has implemented so far with the Premier League coverage. Uh, different graphics, so the graphics yeah. that they're using now are, are definitely inherited from Sky Sports. It's it's kind of a blend between the two. Um, it's not perfect, um, but but there's elements of it which are more readable. I mean, even like the uh, the team lineups. To me, I, I prefer that where you can actually see it visually much better than what uh, NBCSN had before, which was kind of a pitch and they kind of kind of uh, it was was it was harder to actually see the names on on screen um and then pre-match interview on friday with gary neville and kelly cates um kind of talking about sky sports's coverage and about the premier league and how excited they were um and and it started off well but so the weekend for me was a blur critic because of travel soccer Uh, i did get, get to see games here and there but not as much coverage as you did. And then Sunday, the, I had a travel game, and then I came back right at kickoff for Man United against Chelsea and uh, watched that. Um, what's your take on what you've seen so far for from NBCSN from the opening weekend, and, and was there anything that stood out for you?
1: Yeah, it seemed like their entire coverage, starting Friday, was gearing towards Sunday and Pulisic which was, I think, very Fox-like in the sense that they're playing on the American. And quite honestly, Fox has never been this overt with it. Um, now, you can argue that Pulisic is a 75 million pound player uh, and uh, uh, he's, a, he's a stalwart on the national team. But um, there have been lots of Americans in the Premier League during NBC's uh, uh, term covering the league league. Uh, and Jeff Cameron started virtually every match for Stoke their last few seasons in the league, right? Before they got relegated. Uh, it, Tim Ream was at Fulham last year. Obviously Tim Howard, who, who would, uh, join Arlo White at, at times or Steve Bauer in the commentary booth, uh, was in the league. Brad Guzan was in the league, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, And Fox has had Pulisic and a number of other Americans, right? There were nine Americans, nine different Americans who scored goals in the Bundesliga last season. I've never quite seen anything like this, Chris. I mean, it was um, the whole weekend. Now, they would get away from it uh, at times. I mean, I thought it was really cool having Susan Sarandon, who's, of course, uh, Kyle Martino's mother-in-law, on set right before the Spurs-Villa match. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing – All of these newly promoted teams and um, as someone who watches the championship pretty avidly and and I do appreciate that NBC showed us Sheffield United uh, on uh, uh, Saturday and I enjoyed that match. But it seemed like everything was gearing towards Chelsea and Pulisic to the point where Sunday was insufferable, right? Yep. That all the conversation was about Pulisic when he didn't start the match. They super superimposed a graphic, which I've never seen before for any other American player or player period, on um, the screen during both the Leicester Wolves match on CNBC and the Arsenal Newcastle or Newcastle Arsenal match on SN. Then they go to the studio. And this is all really Rebecca Lowe and the and the and the guests want to talk about. Then they throw it to Arlo White, and he's asked. And he's talking about Pulisic. It was. Um it was quite bizarre. Uh, And this is, um, this is taken away from their analysis about other players. So, um, I mean, I also had a bad experience because again, I watched the championship a lot. I was really excited. Mason Mount was starting. Mm -hmm. Um, He was one of the, to me, funnest players to watch in that division. I think you agree with me last season when he was with Darby. Um, I didn't even think that he was starting at Pulisic's expense. uh, When I tweeted it and I got so much like, you know. So much just nasty and anger that it eventually drove me off Twitter for a couple of days. Um, but there seemed to be, in NBC's analysis, um, less emphasis on, on Pogba, uh, Maguire, Juan Bissaka, the new signings for, for Manchester United. Um, how is Mount and Abraham going to integrate into this Chelsea team? Obviously, uh, also Ross Barkley looks healthier and fitter than he has in, in, in several years, going back to his time at Everton. All of that was overshadowed by discussion of Pulisic and it was overbearing and suffocating. Same thing at halftime. Should Pulisic come on Uh, after the game? uh, The first three or four minutes was spent on Pulisic and – uh, I, I appreciate NBC, and you'll get into it in ratings in a few minutes. Uh, they had a huge bump for this match. Maybe it was because it was Manchester United and Chelsea, and it was to start of the season. It may not have been because of Pulisic. I have to contrast this with ESPN FC, who that same day Dan Thomas' show uh, spent, uh, uh, I believe it was 12 minutes, and yes, 12 minutes and 44 seconds on the match, breaking it down. They didn't mention Pulisic once. Now, you could argue that they're, they're catering ESPN FC because they're on plus now and they're not on regular ESPN or ESPN2 anymore, that they're catering to a very niche uh, European uh, football fan, right? European-oriented football fan in the United States who, who are more interested in hearing about what Pogba did and Rashford did uh, and what maybe Abraham didn't do and, and Chelsea didn't do than, than hearing and Conte being hurt, all that stuff than hearing about Pulisic. But the contrast to me was pretty uh, was striking.
0: Yeah, this is probably the first time I've been really disappointed with NBC Sports uh, overall for for their coverage. Because, it, I mean, the last, what, they went started in 2013, roughly. Uh, so it's been a good six years of coverage that every year seems to be getting better and more fine-tuned. And, and the analysis has been spot on and some good, good observations, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I I it's I think it's a little bit too early to say they've jumped the shark but if they continue this this was the shark that they jumped because it's <laughs> it's one of those things because even in the match itself uh this one match he had a po- he had a poor match I mean he, it was his uh, giveaway that led to um I think it was the second goal for Man United and he did not have a good match. Now, the UFO Super Cup is a different story. He definitely right. came to light and was much, much stronger and better in well, that. But
1: Chris, this was the issue at Dortmund, too. He would have a good match where he would be spectacular in a stretch match where he wasn't having to do much defending or, uh, or, or make quick decisions on the ball. Then the next match for Dortmund, he would give the ball away. It, 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 would, uh, it would result in a goal. And Dortmund had a lot of wide options. Unlike Chelsea, they weren't under a transfer van, so they could sit him in the next match. So you know, let's keep in mind, and I think this was never mentioned on NBC the whole weekend, he didn't start regularly for Dortmund last year. In fact, right. there were uh, large periods of the season where he was an unused sub yep. for, for several ga- matches in a row while they were pushing for the Bundesliga title. And, and that's the thing with NBCSN. I mean, I mean, it, they have to
0: cover it. They have to talk about him uh, in terms of... It's a, it's one of the, the big stories uh, coming into the season. But in last week's podcast, we interviewed Pierre Moussa, who's the executive uh, producer, the, the lead producer, for the NBCSN coverage of the Premier League. And I asked him, I said, how will you cover Pulisic? And I think it was one of those things where he said roughly, um, we're going to take it step by step. Yes, we're definitely going to talk about him, but we're not going to go overboard. Well, they went overboard. So I I don't know if it's one of those things where it's um, a split between, say, the marketing advertising side of NBCSN and then the editorial kind of the production side where they say, hey, we just want to keep it simple. We want to talk about it. We'll mention him, but we're not going to go overboard and go into a lot of detail. And it seems to be that the marketing advertising side won because even even in the ads, um, I think at halftime or, or after the game, they're talking about the next game uh, on NBCSN with uh, I think Chelsea Leicester, yeah. I think, but it was it was uh, it was okay. Christian Pulisic's uh, first home game. It, it wasn't talking about Chelsea and Leicester and all the, the wonderful things about those clubs. It was one individual.
1: Uh, Chris, it was a promo for the weekend, for the next weekend, which right. includes Spurs uh, and Manchester City. Yeah. You know, and that top three, top four clash um, – but they were talking about uh, Pulisic, and, and that, was, that was the thing that bothered me the whole weekend. Opening weekend of the Premier League season was Christian Pulisic and Chelsea. Um, again, that was the highlight match of the weekend. Uh, you don't get fixtures generally like Man United-Chelsea the first weekend of the season, but they made it uh, about, strictly about Pulisic, it seemed, and everything mm-hmm. else was secondary.
0: The other thing, too, at the post match, so post match after the uh, the Man United Chelsea game. I mean, just seconds later, once they go to the studio, and it's Rebecca Lowe, Carl Martino, and I forgot who else was in the studio, but but anyway, it, it it felt as if like someone had died. It was so flat, so downbeat. You could tell from from the way that Rebecca Lowe and Carl Martino were talking that they were really disappointed. That was it was kind of a downer. It was a big downer, and it should have been. A huge up. I mean, this is Man United, who has delivered uh, some of the biggest TV ratings for NBCSN. Historically speaking, whenever Man United are, do- are doing well, NBCSN ratings uh, usually go up. And this is something an incredible match by Man United. Chelsea, yes, individual mistakes leading to uh, a resounding defeat. But this is something you should be excited about. This is some. This is a a result that probably very few people expected. You had Daniel James starring in in his first Premier League match. Uh, this was a good feel-good atmosphere. Yeah. Yes, if you're a Chelsea supporter, that's what it felt like is that, that Rebecca Lowe, which we we know that she's not a Chelsea supporter, and and um, and Kyle were like as if they were really upset. But the reality is is that they're a downbeat because I, I think there are expectations of what this could have been, what this uh, may have been if, if Pulisic had scored a goal how this would have helped NBC's ratings, how this would have helped probably Rebecca Lowe and Carl Martino on a personal level in terms of raising their level as uh, talent and maybe going on to bigger and better things. Who, who knows? But the the reality is, as a viewer, I was like, come on. This is, this is nuts. This is crazy. This is the first game of a very long season. Yes, everyone, I think, wants to see Christian do really well. Everyone wants to see him... Uh, be a good representation of the United States, a great story. We want to see him succeed. We want him to go on to great things with the U.S. men's national team. But the Premier League is not about one individual. It's not about one American. It's about, we we watch this because of the clubs, whether it's the clubs we support or the clubs we hate, or it's it's club focused. It's not focused on one individual.
1: Yeah, and, and We've criticized Fox through the years, Chris, but when I think back at Fox's coverage of the Premier League and of of Europa League and other things, uh, I think about the great moments from... Clint Dempsey, he scores the winning goal at Old Trafford for Spurs uh, when they beat Manchester United in uh, yeah. uh, at That's Old Trafford huge. for the first time since the 1960s, I believe. Um, you know, he scores the goal against Juventus right in the Europa League, the, maybe the the most important goal in Fulham's history. Yep. Uh, certainly one of the most celebrated. And it wasn't even even after the events, it wasn't quite like this. As jingoistic as we've accused Fox of being, as um, USA USA rah rah as we've accused them of being, I, I don't remember. Then, um, and, and, you know, last season when, uh, when Byron played, uh, um, uh, Borussia Dortmund the first time I, I was pretty critical of the fact that they spent a lot of time in the studio before the match talking about Pulisic and then I if I recall correctly he didn't even start right and uh, Jaden Sancho started on one wing and mm-hmm. and Guerrero on the other Pulisic came off the bench uh, and they want that was the match Dortmund won earlier in the season uh, but they didn't spend nearly the amount of time even in a kind of USA geared coverage of a league that you know we're going to get to this in a little bit obviously in the show that, that that they don't actively promote um they didn't they didn't do anything remotely resembling what nbc did this weekend it was um it was really alarming and i don't know if they're taking I, I initially thought oh my gosh you know they see that fox has done this and fox has been able to drive ratings on women's world cup or what have you where, where, where they're successful u.s a uh, successful u.s component copa america in 2016 they're taking a page out of fox's playbook i realize chris it might be more out of Sky's playbook. Um, The synergies with Sky, we're talking a lot about. We saw it on display this weekend, even with the graphics and the studio, and and a lot of it was positive. I I will concede that. But I think Sky has always had a very, one, sensational streak to the way they cover – um, the 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 Premier League and bumper programs, and they've had uh, certainly a, a nativist streak to the point where, and I and I can see I don't watch all of Sky's coverage, and I base this on hearing and reading from other sources. But if you read the, if you listen to the Guardian podcast, going back to the James Richardson days, now Max Rushton, they're always mocking so- Sky's coverage and like their Englishness, right? Mm-hmm. Their Britishness uh, in in what is an incredibly cosmopolitan league. Um, I, I never put too much stock into that. I'm just like, well, because doesn't really. Really affect me, and I don't. I don't think about it. But I, I kind of saw that on display this week with with NBC, maybe cohabitating with Sky. They're they're feeling this is the way forward. You have an American player who's worth seventy five million on the transfer market for whatever reason. Maybe a lot of that was marketing um, more than football. But um, you know, milk it. And unfortunately, um, it's you, you said jumping the shark, and you can only jump the shark once, right? Um, <laughs> they may have done it. Let's see how this plays out in the next couple of weeks. Unfortunately, I think maybe that UEFA super cup performance from Pulisic, uh, where he was good, Mm -hmm. uh, very good in the first half. Although again, I mean, I, I, I like Mason Mount and I thought Mount was maybe even better. They're both good. They both played, played well. Um, when Mount came on for Pulisic, uh, might just encourage them to to to, to go further uh, and deeper down this uh, this path.
0: Yeah, to amp, amp it up. I mean, it, he got the assist uh, in that game and uh, had a, had a goal, but it was uh, disallowed for offside. Real close decision there. But uh, yeah, if this had been Rob Stone and uh, Alexi Lalas on this past Sunday uh, for on NBCSN talking about, uh mean, the love fest of Christian Pulisic, they would have get, gotten skewered. I mean they, social media would have gone absolutely nuts um but with it being Rebecca Lowe and Kyle Martino I think there's a little bit more patience there a little bit more respect but but if effectively they were saying the same things that they uh, <laughs> Rob Stone or Alexi Lalas would have said um but the the accents are different I mean Kyle's of course of course American but so yeah we'll have to wait and see what happens with that but um the other thing so I didn't watch as much uh, coverage over the weekend but I did get a sense that the coverage has changed slightly and, and again it's the first weekend so may, maybe this, this maybe they'll go back to the the norm uh from this weekend onwards but it did seem to be more playful and 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 like for example there was a scene i can't remember if this was friday or saturday maybe it was friday but there was um or maybe it was even thursday but there was um carl martino had these ribbons and he was prancing around the the pitch and Lee Dixon and Arla White were pretending to be kind of bemused and I, I don't know if you saw that but it was very much more of a playful um, manner over the weekend and, and the other thing too on Sunday mornings so in the Sunday mornings now which is a big deal, is now that uh, 11, uh, the 11 o'clock kickoffs on Sunday for the Premier League Eastern time now have been moved to 11.30 Eastern time. So NBCSN, starting on Sundays, starting this past Sunday and every Sunday moving forward, now have a pregame show that's two hours. So they have a lot more time. So I, I was expecting Sunday morning to be almost like Sunday supplement on Sky Sports where they would try something different and maybe bring a couple of journalists in, ask them questions, go more for a deeper dive analysis. And really what it turned into is more of a, a recap show. So for anyone who missed uh, Friday's game or Saturday's games, Sunday morning was kind of a, almost like a match of the day, kind of a, the NBCSN version of it, just kind of saying, okay, here's all the goals that happened, here's what you missed, catching up on this and looking ahead to the games ahead. And And to me, I think they... I mean, they're underutilizing the opportunity that they have there. Again, that could change over time, but um, I was disappointed with that.
1: Yeah, so in in fairness, I I was disappointed in it too. Uh, In fairness, Rebecca Lowe did say... In promoting it, that it, it, the two hour, uh, now 7 a.m. Eastern time start time uh, for uh, uh, Premier League Sundays gives them an opportunity to review all of Saturday's action. Uh, so, my expectation was kind of that they would do that, but I also thought with the increased uh, time block, there would be some sort of other um, element to it. Maybe they'll work on that as the season rolls on, uh, if, particularly once Europa League starts. Well, let's well, start now. Wolves are, are going to have to play on Sundays, uh, obviously. Uh, that that they uh, uh, that maybe they'll 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 tweak that a little bit, but yeah, I was disappointed by that. But in fairness, in full, dis- they did give full disclosure about what the expanded hour of Premier League Sundays was about.
0: And maybe that's what what it is. Really, it's maybe more of a replacement for the match of the day uh, kind of. Well, they have um, the goals. What was it called goals fest or whatever it's called The kind of the the summary game that happens usually sunday afternoon or saturday afternoon after the games goals on and and then they have match of the day this is essentially what match of the day is it's kind of just a yeah. recap
1: yeah and so match of the day on sunday was interesting chris because they spent uh 15 minutes 20 minutes recapping the highlights of uh of uh uh, United Chelsea. And they did the, they showed the pitch side interview with Daniel James. Uh, but then, uh, you know, they quickly went through the Arsenal, Newcastle, uh, match and, and, and Wolves, uh, and then spent 15 minutes showing highlights again from Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, uh, and, and those were quicker. They didn't go through kind of the full match of the day experience for how they cut those, uh, those highlights. But, uh, so they did that on on what is the, the match of the day too, right? Essentially the Sunday show. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe they're just uh, they're they're tweaking this or they're they're, they're experimenting with, with seeing what works best best to get Saturday highlights on Sunday again.
0: Yeah, maybe we will have to wait and see what happens. Um, so so on the UEFA Super Cup, uh, I had the game on in the background and watched most of it, but at the same time I was um, on the phone uh doing some interviews and and uh some reporting on the news that we'll talk about in a little bit about being sports but um and and also i missed the campeones cup uh game too, which which i heard was really good uh again travel soccer getting in the way i ended up being at at a practice last night what was your take on on those two games
1: yeah so i Campionas Cup, I really thought ESPN did a great job of wraparound coverage, utilizing all of their their resources in terms of uh, uh, of uh, American soccer uh, and and uh, American soccer knowledge, and, and uh, also their their knowledge of Liga MX. Same thing with 2DN. on the UEFA Super Cup. Uh, and by the way, the the C- uh Cup match, unlike last season, was very very good, very thoroughly enjoyable plus, to watch.
0: Plus, K. Murray making the uh, yeah the making APU. her deep da- yeah so. Um, yeah, and it looks it looks like she's moonlighting too. So same thing with um, Kevin Egan previously with being Sports uh, doing some work for TNT during the summer during those Liverpool games, kind of the, as a host. Uh, Kay Murray kind of basically auditioning in, in many ways live for, on camera for the Campione's cup, cup. So maybe hopefully, fingers crossed, she'll get a a permanent position there at ESPN.
1: Yeah, and then with the UEFA Super Cup um, they had gone to a new format uh, or not a new format but Steve Nash, he'll he'll talk a little bit more about this uh, in the next segment Uh, Steve Nash, not on set Uh, I thought the pregame game pre-match show, they did talk about Pulisic but not any way in the the manner NBC did Uh, there was a there was heavier analysis uh, in that studio, even with the same uh, team. Marisa do makes some very good points, even though I don't know if his camera presence is quite there yet, but in terms of his analysis, he's gotten a lot better. Uh, I, I, I like uh, some of the points from Carlos Bocanegra also, particularly about uh, Allison and, and, and Adrian uh, being a defender who played in the Premier League for a number of seasons. He, he, he uh, and in Europe, uh, played in France and played in Scotland as well. Um kind of understood that. In addition, um, I, I liked what they did at halftime. So at halftime, uh, they already note that Ox is coming off for, for, for Firmino. Steve Nash goes to the tactics board Steve right Holden. before they go back to, to the pitch. Uh, not Steve Nash, sorry, Stu Holden. Mm-hmm. Um, goes to the tactics board, and goes through how that will change the way Liverpool plays, lo and behold, the first five minutes of the second half, what he talked about right before – they went back I'm talking about probably 12 minutes into halftime once they got word of the substitution is how Liverpool changes so um, there was a lot of clunkiness with TNT's coverage last season I think there's still some of that clunkiness just in presentation we just have to live with it but um, the actual level of analysis um, uh, around this match I thought was was quite good now again Mm -hmm. They had one match, right? One match to focus on. They blew it with the Champions League final. They, they hit a home run with it uh, in the Super Cup. The question is when we get to the match days where uh, they're showing one match on TNT, the rest of the matches are on Ble- Bleacher Report. Uh, they have uh, to, to get, get through things. Will they sh- show proper highlights? Will they analyze properly? That was a downfall last season, but um, my my assessment of yesterday's coverage might might be different than other people who were predisposed not to like TNT. Uh, I, I was quite happy with it.
0: Yeah, it is interesting how there are a lot of people who are predisposed to hating anything that TNT does with soccer coverage. I mean, and part of it, too, is just first impressions. It's one of those things that people see and then they don't like it or it's different or they don't like the way they're dressed or they just don't like uh, – you know, the individuals, and then and then that's their that's their permanent uh, evaluation of who they are and what they do, and 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 that sticks. But um, yeah, with Stu Holden, I I don't know if 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 maybe. Um Maybe uh Firmino was warming up like towards the end of the first half and the or there was somebody on the sideline that said, like you mean hey, I heard that Firmino's coming on. If if not, in terms of it was just a, a tactical which it was Steve Holden's very tactical. I mean he that, that's his mindset and he's great at communicating it and explaining it and talking talking it through. So I wouldn't be surprised if he looked at the way that the, the team was playing. Which in the first half it was pretty obvious that uh, I mean Chelsea had more of the ball and they were missing Firmino in terms of Liverpool in terms of uh, being able to link up and, and create more up front. Uh, it changed the game and he was spot on and had great analysis. So I'll give him full credit and uh, it was great insight and and um, yeah, let's see more of that. And, and you're right, Kartik. The challenge is, is key okay, when you have you mean two or three games or two games happening at once. How do you focus that time? Uh, effectively where you're not all over the place um and 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 with a lot of talking points a lot of, a lot of things happening that's the key but um just as la same as last season though Kartic too I think with the uEFA super cup two I think they did really well um I guess we will have to wait and see.
1: Right, Kate Abner, by the way, really uh, came through to give her credit. Uh, I've been critical of her performance as a percenter last season. But uh, I, maybe you're right. Maybe because uh, I was uh, abroad and missed the UEFA Super Cup coverage last season, which was uh, Atleti and Real Madrid, right? Mm-hmm. Would, would have been the Super Cup. So I missed that. Uh, Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they, they, they came through last season and then just backslid after that. But uh, it seemed like uh, a, a whole new level from them um, in uh, in this show, at least for me, uh, compared to especially the way the disastrous conclusion of the year with the uh, Champions League final. Yep. Let's hope they keep it up. All right, Karthik, uh going over to you for the TV streaming
0: news. And when, when I heard this news, uh, I almost fainted, but uh, I'll have you tell it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, as you as you mentioned, it was breaking during the um, Super Cup yesterday, and I, I got a tip about it and, and didn't know why, <laughs> I just was, st- was stunned. Uh, La Liga has extended its U.S. TV rights deal with in Sports through 2024, uh, so uh, this, this cycle ends this season, and then they'll have it for an additional four seasons after this season, so five more years on BN.
0: Yeah, so, so the article, so we'll talk a talk, got the, the scoop on this one, the exclusive, so it goes into a lot more detail about about what happened and the why and analyzing it. So if you haven't checked it out yet, it's on the homepage of worldsoccertalk.com. Highly recommend you check that out. Um, at the end of the day, Kartik, I, th- I think it's one of those things. I mean, you and I were surprised by this because uh, everything that we had been hearing, everyone that we had been talking to, everyone was saying that just La Liga is really, really disappointed with the way things are working out because they have – high expectations, they have um, grand visions of, of making La Liga as big, uh, actually bigger than the Premier League. That's where the, that's the mindset that they're coming from. They, they see the league, they see the quality, the technical level, the, the money that's been spending, the, the spending, they're looking at the production point of view. They're doing a lot of things right. And the, the challenge that they've had in the US has been distribution, and BN Sports uh, getting knocked off, uh, Xfinity, Comcast, and, and also DirecTV uh, is a huge, huge blow. So so all thoughts and all uh, um, signs were that, that BN Sports, this would be the, the final year of La Liga con- contract. But at the end of the day, money talks. And sometimes it can create some strange bedfellows. And here we have a deal that happens... That's really more of a global deal. This is something that is not US-specific. This is more of a global deal. And this is being sports, uh, sitting down with La Liga, saying, okay, hey, how can we work together and continue this relationship on a global level? And here's what we can offer you and and vice versa. So on a global level, the synergy makes a lot of sense. The other thing with this card tick, and and we have to talk about it, is that uh, this very well could be a... um, a move by BN Sports, which are, I mean, owned and and based in uh, Qatar, to go ahead and uh, put the World Cup coverage uh, for Qatar in 2022, I uh, mean, you know, in a positive limelight, uh, getting a lot of uh, kind of marketing and promotions and building up. The timing for this is perfect in terms of um, La Liga being one of the most watched leagues in the world, and whether it's Ronaldo, well, not not Ronaldo anymore, Messi, and all the other stars. This gives them a great platform. And I think this is, this is to me, one of the main reasons why um, who knows how much money has been offered, I mean, that, that they're accepting, but uh, we don't know that yet. At some point, we'll probably know. But how, how big of a deal it, this is and, and uh, how much the Qatar uh, 2022 World Cup will play into this. The other thing, Karthik, about this too is that according to one of my sources, I've been told that this TV rights deal never came to market which means it was a private sale and it never went into a bidding process. So this would have been something, if if the, the report is true from one of my sources, this would have been something where it have been a private negotiation discussions and negotiations. It would have probably been being sports uh, coming to La Liga and saying, hey, we're willing to offer you, you know, this amount of money um, and maybe, maybe even more if you kind of keep it within the being sports uh, family. Um, and BN Sports is a major player worldwide. I mean, in the US, they get a bad rap for not having great distribution. But globally, they're a huge player in the Middle East, in, in Africa, I mean, just around the world. B in Sports is a major player. Um, but yeah, so this is something that I think that that's the private sale, the kind of the private uh, deal that was done is something that they're thinking globally. And this makes sense for many ways. And it'll be interesting to see what that final number is in terms of what uh, Bein Sports is willing to pay for global rights to. I think I think about seventeen territories to, to pay to La Liga for the rights to broadcast these games.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's probably again wrapped into the global deal, which is why I was a little bit surprised, and we we still don't have confirmation on this, but surprised that the Bundesliga. Uh, I guess they were so concerned about the U.S. market. They have a global deal with Fox. I thought maybe they were re- going to renegotiate that. And maybe the U.S. would be lumped into that again. That that they apparently, and we again don't know this, have broken it off. I think it's a problem for La Liga's exposure in the United States, though, because uh, you've got Liga and Mac East on, uh which now will have the, the, the increased profile of 2DN uh, and that launch, uh, which happened over the summer. Uh, you have uh, the Premier League, obviously – well, well said on NBC. I think Serie A and the Bundesliga, whether the Bundesliga remains on Fox uh, or moves to ESPN Plus, there will still be more exposure and greater access to it or at least more promotion of it than uh, uh, you can possibly get with BN unless BN can get back on some of the satellite and cable systems. I, I look at Serie A in particular. I think what ESPN has done for Serie A in elevating it just in a year – Um, and that will continue during the the, the term of this this deal that they struck with IMG for for the rights I I think puts La Liga in a difficult position. They have the two most popular club teams in this country outside of Mexican clubs uh, in my opinion, Real Madrid and Barcelona. You you could argue Liverpool's in that conversation, Chelsea's in that conversation but um, probably the two most popular clubs. Yet they're going to get far less exposure for those clubs when they're not in Champions League on on, on TNT uh, than uh you you get for just about any other big club european club in the united states with the exception of psg so uh that's a uh that's got to be a concern and and i think it might have been good for for the rest of the league but i'm not sure it's necessarily good for real madrid and barcelona's brand uh in the united states
0: well, that, well, that, that's where it comes to is that, uh, according to a couple of my sources, is that uh, discussions are being ha- uh, had between La Liga and BN Sports about the opportunity to go ahead and sub-license a couple of those games a weekend to other broadcasters in the United States. So, for example, hypothetically... Um, And this probably would not be El Clasico, but hypothetically, maybe it's um, uh, Real Betis against uh, Valencia on a Sunday, and it's a Sunday morning, and it's okay. uh, Is that a game that maybe ESPN or ESPN Deportes might be interested in broadcasting as part of a sub-licensing deal? Maybe they have a, a window every Sunday morning. Whatever time, time it might be, say 10:30 Eastern Time, and, and showcasing a, a La Liga game at that time, and maybe once in a while it'd be a, a Real Madrid game. But but most of those Real Madrid games and Barcelona games would be on B in Sports. Same again too. Maybe there's another um, another partnership too, where maybe it's with uh, maybe it's with Univision, and Univision says, okay, hey, we want just one game a week, and we're we'll, we're willing to pay X amount. And showcase that maybe we have the, maybe it's the friday game or mean whatever game it may be so so that that does give an opportunity then to it's a win for la liga in terms of getting into more households and, and increasing the distribution it's also it could be a win for being sports too in terms of making more people aware of being sports and and that uh, if you want to watch all of la liga be in sports is the place to go so so that's a possibility but at the end of the day Kartik. La Liga, it was in a difficult position because, I mean, if you did go with one um, broadcaster, there aren't a lot of choices available. It's not like in Europe where you could start up your own channel and just have you know, La Liga TV and broadcast uh, over uh, television in order to get into the cable market or uh, into the cable uh, through cable companies and through satellite companies. Uh, you, I mean... We've seen this from BN Sports. It's very difficult to start up a, organiza- a a network and get into as many homes as possible. And it's it's very political in terms of the way that the system is set up.
1: Yeah, uh, this reminds me a little bit of uh, Gold, uh, of uh, the Bundesliga's reluctance to leave Goal TV, if you remember, the U.S. They they were on Goal TV a full three years after uh, the other leagues that's splitting on to BN, uh, Serie A and uh, and, and La Liga. Uh, well, Serie A had been on Fox at that point, but had been on Gold TV earlier. Uh, but uh, three years after being started, and then even after the contract went to Fox in this country, Gold TV retained some bumper rights, if you remember, and some rights to show replace because yeah. Bundesliga felt so indebted to them for carrying the product in, in, in the country. And Quite honestly, Goal TV had done a good job in, in presenting the Bundesliga with bumper programs and and, and and the sort of stuff that we complain Fox doesn't do uh, often enough. So it, it reminds me of that because there is no question the coverage of the of La Liga on BN is top drawer. Mm-hmm. It, it's as good it's, – it's probably – people get angry when I say this. It's probably as good as NBC is with the Premier League in terms of the way they present the league, the, the – the, the deep dive analysis they give, the wraparound, mm-hmm. but again, the distribution is uh, is very difficult to, uh, to 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 get a handle on. So yep. unless they. Go forward with some degree of sub licensing uh, to, uh, uh, and we saw. Remember, gold TV sub licensed La Liga matches to ESPN uh, it, during their final contract with La Liga, and it would it would not, never be El Clasico, but there were enough Real Madrid or Barcelona matches uh, or Atleti matches to uh, to kind of make you feel like okay, you had access to these teams via ESPN two in the in those days. They showed those matches on ESPN two. Uh, that uh, maybe that's the solution because I think La Liga. Obviously, they have relevant sports uh, advising them now. I, I think they they have to um, they have to come up with some some sort of solution to this. Even speaking of relevant sports, even at that match I was at last week, Napoli and um, Barcelona, the big thrust they, you, when you talked about you saw the the, the, the field boards uh, watching on television. I was at the match, uh, the big thrust was for ESPN's Serie A coverage. And the conversations I was having in the press box were. And I think I mentioned this last week, how visible uh, ESPN was in promoting Syria and how much more um – accessible and prominent Serie A was becoming as a league Americans wanted to watch. Obviously, there's the uh, added bonus of, uh, of, uh, of Ronaldo uh, and then some players that maybe Premier League fans are familiar with, Aaron Ramsey, Romelu Lukaku, those sorts of players moving, uh, and managers, Sarri and Conte, moving to, La Le- uh, to uh, Serie A. But how much more prominent Serie A was becoming in the American, uh, Euro- uh, the European fan in the, U- in, in the U.S. soccer psyche? because of the move to ESPN. So this is something La League really has to think about.
0: Yeah, we're in that in-between phase, though, because, I mean, Serie A is a great league. It's got I mean, a higher caliber of players now, with, I mean, a lot of players being been attracted to, to Serie A uh, more so than in, in some previous years. But the reality is, even though they have the one game a week on ESPN or ESPN2, or most of the games actually on ESPN News, is the the tv ratings for those games i think most of the games are less than a hundred thousand. i think i think a few were over 100 hundred hundred thousand, but 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 barely so even though it's on espn plus which nobody has those numbers in terms of how many people are actually watching that we know how many subscribers there are over 2 million but most of that are probably people that have no interest in soccer at all so i think i think in many ways i think la liga is in that in-between phase where they're like okay we have to stay on linear television. You mean know, that that is that's the biggest uh, market that we can reach that way. And and even with being sports and being sports in Espanol, even with all the distri- distribution problems and um, not on DirecTV, not on Comcast, those viewing numbers are still bigger than Serie A on ESPN News or ESPN Two. So so the the so I think in many ways it's an in between phase. They they have to figure out a way in the United States to to increase that distribution uh and then su- the sublicensing will will help hopefully be in sports will get back on direct TV if DirecTV TV doesn't uh, bring them back on this one i mean they're never going to do it because it, i mean if you have La Liga for the next 5 years you I mean that's where people are going to be going to and if, and if DirecTV TV doesn't have it they'll go to Dish uh Comcast is a different story just because of the whole FCC um Kind of uh, uh, appeals and, and, and uh, complaints and everything that between Comcast and ESPN sports, I don't see that happening. But Dread TV, they have to, right? They have to wise up and say, hey, well, OK, you know, yes, we have some disagreements, but we need to do business with these guys because th- that's the, the only main place that you can see all of uh, the La Liga. Um, at the end of the day, it's, this is a huge lifeline for BN Sports. Um, there have been discussions or, or kind of scuttlebutt that pe- perhaps BN Sports's future in the US uh, was on shaky ground. Uh, this gives them a huge lifeline. If they had lost La Liga rights to somebody else, that could have been the end of BN Sports in the US. And uh, yeah, car tickets. Uh, I, I guess the, the last point I have about this is that, uh, yet again, uh, DeZone gets shut out for soccer rights in the US. And this was their last chance uh, to get some big soccer rights for a while. Of course, maybe there's a sub deal in place, but we thought that DeZone was going to be a major player in soccer. And uh, it, it looks like they lost the deal for the Bundesliga. And now it looks like they've lost the deal for La Liga. And right now, I think all they have is the J-League, and, and that's it. So I'm sure they're just going to focus on you know, boxing and MMA and, and, and kind of those types of sports now. All right, Klartik, speaking of being Sports, uh, some other news this week. That can, this one flew under the radar, but Hope Solo is going to be co-hosting a new show. She has joined on uh, BN Sports. It's called Weekend Winners, alongside Jeremy St. Louis. Uh, the weekly show will premiere on Monday, August 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern on BN Sports. The cast will wrap up the weekend with a comprehensive review of which teams and players came out on top in the world of soccer and which will be faced with a hard case of the Monday Blues. In addition to the show weekend winners, Hope Solo will also help kick off uh, the weekend's coverage, uh, starting this weekend, of La Liga, with appearances on multiple BN Sports shows, including the Soccer Extra and The Express on August 16th, 17th, and 18th. And then, Karthik, uh, in rela- related, oh, pardon me, related
1: news... Yeah, um as a follow-up to our recent story uh, we've discussed on this podcast, the court in Spain has ruled that matches in La Liga can go ahead on Friday, so there'll be a match uh, tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, Barcelona and, and Bilbao. But Monday games will not be allowed. That means two of the games originally scheduled for this Monday have been moved to Saturday or Sunday. Uh, both the Bundesliga and La Liga season start on Friday. I want to point this out. Just This is another little piece of analysis from the first uh, news uh, topic. Tomorrow we have um, a championship match at 2.45 uh, Eastern time. We have a Bundesliga match at 2.45 Eastern time. We have a La Liga match at 3 o'clock Eastern. The La Liga match features Barcelona. Um, unfortunately, because of the the ease of ESPN Plus for me and Fox uh, being easier than Vn, uh, the chances are I'll be flipping between the the, the, the championship match and the Bundesliga match and not catch much of the La Liga match and that's just kind of the consequence at least for me of, of La Liga staying on BN.
0: Alright Kartik i got to put you on the spot again so uh, the Bundesliga opening game of the season Bayern Munich against uh, Hertha Berlin or Hertha Berlin uh, which channel is that going to be on? That First
1: match is on ES is on FS two, I believe. Yes,
0: yeah, you got it right. Which, which, okay. So, right, you're. In the-
1: I've cheated. I've gone and I've gone and set my DVR for all these matches. So <laughs> it's I okay. It's okay.
0: Cheating's okay. It's okay. But, but, but that's the thing, though, too. My point is, is that you mean it's last season of the Bundesliga on on Fox. I mean, go out with a bang. I mean, just you, mean, you know, opening game of the season, Bayern Munich. Let's go. FS one. No, it's on FS two. So. And that's that's a worrying sign. But actually, well we'll get more into that in the list of mailbag. But uh I was you would think that it would be FS one for the first game, but I guess they probably have a, a talking head show that they prefer to to focus on. Last but not least, Kartik uh in the new segment, uh Steve Nash, as you mentioned before, uh wasn't on this week's um coverage of the Super Cup. and uh, it's been reported that he's no longer gonna be featured as a permanent analyst during TNT's coverage of the Champions League. Instead, he's going to be featured in live and taped appearances throughout the season. The content packages will range from him interacting with a variety of special guests outside the studio setting as well as BR our football analysts. So he's going to be splitting his time working with uh, TNT on some taped segments and maybe some live segments, but also, uh, also doing a lot of uh, the NBA on TNT. So it looks like uh, when we do see him, it's going to be... It might be similar to what we've seen this past season, where it's replicating different goals. So him and Stu Holden trying to, You mean, on the practice pitch, trying to see if they can rec- recreate some of these goals. Or maybe it's interviews with some basketball players. Um, but an interesting move there. And uh, I know there's still a lot of people that, that really despise him and do not like his uh, soccer analysis. I thought he was okay. I, I didn't think he was, it was that bad, but... Um, but um, whether whether this is his personal decision or if this is something that TNT offered him and so, said, hey, would you be interested in doing this instead? Um, he's taken it. All right. Moving on to TV ratings. Uh, again, we're not going to go into all of these because we will have all of them reported at WorldSoccerTalk.com in the next 24 to 48 hours. But uh and and we still don't even have all the final numbers too cuz um the numbers are still coming in but um the man United Chelsea Christian Pulisic uh, love fest on NBCSN on Sunday from 11:30 a.m. Uh, eastern to 1:30 eastern uh, 952,000 viewers on NBCSN on this one and according to uh tunity analytics uh the outer home viewership for this game so people watching this game in bars and pubs and restaurants and gyms Was over 660,000 people. So put those two together, uh, you're close to like what, 1.6 million people. And that does not include the Telemundo numbers. So if I had a guess on that one, I think Telemundo numbers probably about 200,000, maybe 300,000. So now you're hitting, you mean the 1.8, close to 1.9 million viewers for this game. So big viewership numbers. um, And yes, there was interesting Christian Pulisic. But um, let's not overdo it. <laughs> uh, and, and then some of the other numbers that come through, I, again, I won't go through all of them, but the, the, the most eye-opening one to me, Karthik, was that more people watched the Bournemouth against Sheffield United game on NBCSN than Sunday nights DC United, LA Galaxy, and LAFC, um, New York Red Bulls, MLS games combined. And Actually,
1: i I've got even a better number for you okay. on that. More people watched uh, the uh, Premier League show in between the, Ar- the uh, Newcastle Arsenal match and uh, the Manchester United-Chelsea match than those MLS matches combined or Bournemouth-Sheffield United. So um, they, they, having Arsenal, uh, having Arsenal United, and Chelsea kind of back-to-back allowed the Bridge NBC show, if you go and look at the, the cable ratings for the weekend, to record over 400,000 viewers, which was pretty remarkable right
0: stunning yeah and, and to me i mean the bigger picture is is that um people are interested in watching the premier league it's it's yeah yes yeah. of course uh, you mean man united chelsea yes you mean people will tune into that one even more so more more attention on that one but even a bournemouth against sheffield united bournemouth's a great team that's actually my pick of the week um, last week to, to watch and sheffield United recently promoted an exciting team um People will watch that, that game even if it's clubs they don't they, they don't support they're watching the whole because there's meaning and there's relevancy to to those games, even though it's the first game of the season um and again, Kartik too. we go back to the same topic and the same thing with Major League Soccer, just trying to cram down our throats the whole new york l a trying to make that happen and it's because those are the two biggest soccer market uh, two biggest t v markets in the u s New York is number one. LA is number two so they're trying to make those LA teams and those New York teams trying to make those into I mean hoping that those those two biggest TV markets will tune into those games and they're not I mean the viewership on those games was uh, 158,000 people for DC against LA Galaxy I mean Zlatan and then you had uh, LAFC an attacking great team against New York Red Bulls 153,000 viewers so it's it's uh warning signs in many ways I mean this is something that, that we're not surprised by by any means this has been happening for, for years now but um, yeah, I mean something has to change and
1: yeah and we say consistently, Chris, when they put Seattle or Portland now Atlanta on, uh, they're getting the numbers aren't great. They're still not very good, but they're they're better than when they put New York, the New York or L.A. teams on, and uh, there somehow is a reluctance because uh, MLS, remember, is a is a league run by by lawyers and and PR professionals based in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a reluctance to really, even though they promote it in their own way, embrace the fact that uh, Atlanta and Seattle, which are Different types of places in New York, um, different type of crowd also uh, are, are, are driving the train, right? I, I think there's there's a little bit of cognitive cognitive dissonance when you talk to people around MLS about this because uh, they've always thought in their mind from from 1996 onward that LA and New York had to be your two pillars, uh, and it was upset very early on by DC United being uh, the, the, the the flagship team, uh, and then as we moved into to, into Uh, They resisted putting a team in Seattle forever, even though that was one of the most natural soccer markets in the country coming out of the 1970s and 1980s and always had this different element to it where soccer, even at the lower division level, was wildly popular. Even college soccer was well-supported in in, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, And there's still a reluctance, I think, at MLS HQ and among those who advise MLS on the media side to actually just embrace the, the the I don't know if you want to call it the counterculture or, or uh, uh, that that Seattle and Portland represent, and the different demographic of fan that Atlanta United represents, the kind of unifying rainbow of, uh, of colors uh, and, and, and background fans that they've attracted to their matches. There's still this very, we need to get, you know, the big American sports fan who is, you know, in, 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 in the big city type, type crowd when – um I think they'd be much better advised to just take a look at what Atlanta United has done and follow that to a T from a demographic standpoint and promoting that club.
0: Yeah, and I think in many ways, too, they're driving this based on advertisers. So they're in New York. They've got, I'm sure, they're meeting with a lot of these big brands and these big media buyers. And, and they're yep, yep, I mean, yep. they're talking about, OK, I mean, New York's such a big market. We've got this big product. We need to release it. We need to announce it. I mean, And MLS says, yeah, we've got these two teams in, in, in New York area. This will be a great fit. We'll have a game against LA and have some of the, the big brands from LA kind of on the West Coast. This will be a great synergy. And they're thinking business and dollars and not thinking about soccer culture and, you mean, what's on the pitch? Because, you mean, you go to new york red bulls they don't even play in new york you go to NYCFC; they play in a baseball stadium you, you mean there's there's it's it's not a lot of good things to to come out of that i mean it, for the the just not, not not even a diehard but for the casual soccer fan most casual soccer fans will look at that and go yeah that's, that's not authentic soccer that's that's kind of you know it seems, it seems very corporate All right, let's move on to Listener Mailbag. First up is Tim Keane. Tim says, uh, The new two-hour show on Sunday morning was a disappointment. Living on the West Coast, I was able to record it, which was a huge advantage. Spent far too much time on the Big Six, as always, with a little focus on the other games played, even though it was billed as a review of the previous day's play. A ton of long commercial breaks repeats of interviews we saw on saturday pull the sick feature which was by which was far too long and appeared to be trying to find stuff to talk about where was neil ashton i did like when they had the sky piece with the special one well neil ashton does the sunday supplement on sky sports on sunday mornings where he sits down with uh usually john cross and a couple of uh Uh, reporters or journalists and talks about some of the the main talking points on Sunday and and goes into a lot of detail. So so Neil's not available on Sunday mornings, but um, some good points there from Tim.
1: Yeah, and and actually, that show I, I highly uh, recommend it. Uh, you need you can podcast it on uh, on Apple Podcasts or on wherever you get podcasts, uh, and you can watch it on YouTube. So that's yeah. a Sunday supplement, with Neil Ashton. Uh, it would be great if, with the synergy with Sky, if they were able to incorporate maybe even a fifteen-minute segment like that yeah. into this NBC program.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, let's go over to Sky Sports and then simulcast that for a period of time yeah that's a great idea uh charles uh bobby's uh says have you noticed that at least since last friday's liverpool norwich season opener the espn fc show no longer shows match footage as part of commentary on epl games nor can i find any such footage on the espn uh app or the youtube channel I emailed ESPN Plus asking about this, but they have not replied. If this lack of footage continues, the ESPN Plus subscription seems less attractive to me as I'm primarily interested in analysis of EPL matches. And, um, good point there, card has, has it returned at all? No. So, so um, yeah.
1: I mean, the, the, the footage hasn't re- returned on the app or on ESPN FC, uh, Although I have to say, uh, again, I mean, they, they they spend an incredible amount of time analyzing these matches. Uh, there is an assumption now, I think, uh, that Dan Thomas and and, and his uh, crew have to make that you've seen the match and you've seen the highlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, this is the new television cycle, a rights cycle for, uh, um, for for global audiences for the Premier League. I don't know if that has something to do with it, with NBC pulling back the bumper rights. I had mentioned, I think, several times previously on this show and, and – uh, Uh, on Twitter and in terms of uh, um, written articles also, that you could get highlights almost more quickly on ESPN's app uh, than you could on anything NBC was producing. So that might have... uh, Karthik, it's your
0: fault. What? It's your fault. You did it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I hope hope NBC didn't notice that because as they're trying to push you to to watch gold, to buy gold, right? They're trying to push you, uh, especially towards that premium gold package, that more expensive gold package. They are... Um, in, in the process, I think of, of trying to limit distribution of of Premier League clips outside of their purview. So, yeah. and- uh, I could I could see that. Uh, there's also the um, um, uh, they, they've also I should mention this because we had this conversation when we were at ESPN Plus a, a year ago about the golf. Uh, The golf content that went to ESPN Plus, NBC, who was the rights holder, pulled that back as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think they may be seeing ESPN Plus uh, in a macro sense as more of a threat to them on the digital side than – what espn was doing before so they pulled all that back
0: yeah you hit the nail on the head there and it's one of those things the way it works is that uh espn would have to reach out to nbcsn and say hey we're interested in including uh highlights of some of the goals in our daily show this is going to help increase the visibility and awareness of the premier league uh can we is it do do we have your permission to do that and usually when they did show it last season uh, they would have at the top courtesy of NBCSN or courtesy of NBC Sports. That isn't the case this season. And you're absolutely right. I'm sure it has to do with NBC Sports Gold, trying to push people to um, sign up there. The other thing I would recommend um, to to the listener and to others, to Charles, is check out um, the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And oftentimes they have um, some of the uh, highlights, or they have done in the past highlights there. So maybe that's a place that they may put them instead. It might be that they're trying to push the uh, YouTube channel more. Next up is Mark Doherty, and he says, "I'm not sure if I want to ask for fear of this going away," which is similar to what we just discussed a minute ago. But sometimes it's it's better not to talk about these sort of things. But it's important to get it out there. But uh, Mark says, "Premier League replays uh, are available for games." on cable for Telemundo and Universo. Uh, I have been able to pick up Man United against Chelsea from the 55th minute on the app, going to try to watch uh, Spurs against Villa. I don't understand a a lick of Spanish, but good to watch. Is this a a glitch or legit? So it is legit. So we know that uh, any games that are televised on the English language, NBCSN or NBC... Uh, are not available on the NBC Sports app until uh, NBC Sports Gold app until 9 p.m. Eastern time. There's an embargo, so they're trying to get you to watch those games live. And if you do miss them live and you didn't DVR them, uh, the only way you can watch those replays is at 9 p.m. Eastern or later uh, through the NBC Sports Gold app, which you have to pay for. But Telemundo, who has the Spanish language rights, and their sister channel uh, Univeso, who has the the rights too for some of these games, um, you can watch those games on replay. So they make they they're, they're making those games available a lot faster and a lot a lot more availability through their their online apps. So that's something to definitely consider if you don't mind uh, watching it or, or listening it uh, in Spanish. <coughs> Rico Richardson says, I think ESPN needs to produce a show similar to NFL Live or what Fox Soccer did back in the day, which was every day. Highlights, and news type show which recapped everything that should complement the soccer coverage they already have. Well, they they have that show, which is ESPN FC, and it's on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I never watched NFL Live, so I don't know if maybe it goes into a deeper dive or does something different. But, but it is available, though.
1: Yeah, and, and certainly ESPN uh, FC has a lot of analysis, and, and uh, they've been forced as uh, these broadcasters have, have denied them uh, highlights. Now we just talked about NBC with the Premier League, uh, even though ESPN FC, this is the seventh season of ESPN FC. ESPN FC show uh, ironically launched right as NBC was uh, beginning its its uh, run as, as the Premier League rights holder. Um, they've always had Premier League highlights, but they've had uh, to uh, to really go deeper into the analysis because they haven't uh, they, they've they had a, a hard time uh, getting uh, La Liga highlights from VN. VN has been very stingy about that historically and uh, they weren't able to get World Cup highlights uh, from Fox or from FIFA, uh, however they would go about that. So they've had to get deeper in their analysis. Uh, they still obviously uh, uh, get, have, Obviously, they show all the Serie A and MLS highlights because they're the rights holders. And they do um, have uh, the Bundesliga highlights from Fox. So you do get those highlights. Uh, You get Liga and highlights as well that come from um, whoever the rights holder is for that particular team or that particular uh, match. Uh, But uh, they've had to go deeper into the analysis because of losing other highlights.
0: Next up is Craig Shapiro. Craig says uh, Fox Sports is broadcasting six Bundesliga matches this weekend, four of them on FS1. Does anyone know? There has been no promotion again. Guess they're trying to answer the timeless. If a tree falls in the woods with no one to hear, does it make a sound? And same same here, Kartik. I, I don't think I've yeah. seen a single promo. I, I haven't seen a press release. Other than for the uh, German Super Cup, they did release a press release the day before. Uh, what Fox usually does is the day before the season starts, there's a press release that goes out. So that would be t- today, Thursday. Um, I mean, uh, that's the other thing we didn't talk about in the news about La Liga and being sports, is now we know that Fox is completely out of the foreign club soccer business. I mean, they're, they're yeah. losing the Bundesliga to ESPN+. Plus. Uh, they've lost the opportunity to renew the deal, well, to, to get a deal for La Liga. The only hope that they have is maybe that um, a game a week or maybe two games a week are sub license to them uh, for a fee, uh, but I'm not sure if they'd be interested in it, though. I mean, they have... I mean, yes, the Bundesliga, timing-wise, would work out well. I mean, B- Bundesliga ending, okay, how do we fill those time slots? Do we use La Liga and have sub-license a game or two and then just basically go ahead and use that as a vehicle to promote our coverage of, I mean, the men's World Cup or the women's World Cup or, or Major League Soccer? That's a possibility. But if, there are, if they don't get any sub-licensing deals... They're completely out of club soccer other than Major League Soccer.
1: Yeah. The, the only thing I can think of also is maybe they get uh, the Friday matches of La Liga sub license from BN because uh, that fills the time slot with uh, what they had in terms of uh, the Bundesliga. But the weekend is more problematic for them because... La Liga start times tend to be later in many cases than than Premier League or Bundesliga start times, so they don't fit uh, nicely into the Fox calendar with all the college sports they show and, and uh, auto racing, etc. In addition to the fact that they've already the twelve uh, the, the twelve thirty Eastern Time uh, Bundesliga start on Saturdays, that match is consistently being bumped if it's not put on Big Fox which it really is, then it's getting bumped to FS2 or even in some cases to Fox Soccer Plus mm-hmm. Yeah, because of conflict.
0: Exactly. Good point.
1: Yeah, And, and last but not least, uh, next up is
0: Alex with a, a comment. And, and this is really, really very insightful. And Alex says, I wanted to chime in on the new NBC streaming replay times. I don't know anything about how in England uh, soccer fans get football games over there, but I wonder if NBC had to set that, those times up like that because of maybe it's cheaper to get the premier league pass if you're based in the uk and you use a vpn compared to what someone might have to pay in a package to watch league games in england and the league was trying to cut that off so they don't have a loss of revenue thanks for the podcast and that's quite possible too because i i I know from firsthand experience in terms of not, not not actually doing it but but talking to people where um in terms of piracy in the UK where a lot of soccer fans were using VPNs or using American credit cards in England to actually go ahead and subscribe to some of the streaming or or watch it illegally and watch the games illegally. Maybe this makes it more difficult um, because most of the games in the Premier League in England are not on television. You've got, there's a blackout for the uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time games. Um, Those games, none of those games are shown. You have the early kickoff on a Saturday. You have the late kickoff on, on a Saturday. And you've got maybe one game on the Sunday, and um, this could could have could have been you uh, I mean something where the Premier League was pushing it, saying like, "Hey, this this embargo these games." Uh, I, th- I think it's more to do with the NBC Sports Gold app where they're trying to make that a thing and tr- trying to continue to push that. And, and as we saw from this past weekend too, I mean, Rebecca Lowe was was uh, selling that thing throughout the entire weekend. And, and if you look at the headlines and look at what Rebecca says, it sounds wonderful. You have access to all the games. But once you go into the details and figure out what was had before and what you get now and kind of the restrictions, then it becomes less appealing. But, uh, but definitely, Alex could be right. Some good comments there, some good insight. If you have good insights or good comments or uh, want to rant and rave against us or uh, think we're nuts or want to say anything positive, uh, whatever it may be, or have any questions about streaming uh, or watching games on television or it could be any leagues from around the world, we are here to help serve you. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And Kartik uh, as the one of the key people involved behind the scenes, doing commentating and doing analysis and interviews for the Miami FC national champ- champions, and, and also as far as your analysis and uh, thoughts on everything from Florida history to politics and much, much more, Uh, When they're not listening to you on the podcast and they're not reading your articles on worldsoccertalk.com, where can they find you?
1: You can find me at Twitter, uh, at KKFLA737. Thank you for that uh, that uh, flattering uh, 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 lead-up, uh, Chris. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active in a, in a number of places. So KKFLA737 is uh, the place to find me on Twitter.
0: You're welcome. Very, very well-deserved. You do, do a lot of good work for uh, soccer in this country. So, so listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, you can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Boom. Overcast and worldsoccertalk.com pretty much everywhere where good podcasts are found if you like the show share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes and heading into another weekend of World Soccer with the Bundesliga kicking off uh, with La Liga kicking off uh, with the uh, Christian Pulisic uh, love fest continuing on (laughs) Sunday perhaps we'll have to wait and see on that Uh, what should they do enjoy your football